0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: We have Ryan Record from Overnight America at KMOX St. Louis. We compare the on-air language that's used in Canada versus America, and I think I got him in trouble. Oops. We also talk about Canadian TV shows, the Grammys, and more. Are you okay? Netflix made a documentary about Blockbuster. That's on the podcast. And what about your son getting a spray tan <laughs> on his mouth after breastfeeding? Because that's where the spray tan was sprayed. We go weird science with Andrew C. Ferreira. It tells us about crazy space hurricanes and the fact that we'll all die if the poles move. It's enlightening. In case you missed it, is on the podcast as well. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast platforms, download, like it, share it. The Shift Daily Podcast is there for you every single day after we complete the show. Let's say hello to America as America says hello to Canada. Connecting the shift and Ryan Recker from Overnight America via KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. <laughs>
2: I was a Ryan couple Recker. seconds late. I'm sorry, Shane. How yeah, are that's you? That's all
1: right. That, I'm good, thank you, brother. Welcome back. I well, um, thank you. We were, I... just, we were just having a conversation uh, uh, leading up to this about uh, language use at nighttime on the radio and some of my listeners have asked me to ask you what what is the line at your station or in your in your in your America about language use and how foul does it get on nighttime radio
2: (laughs) I think that the standard most radio stations hold is actually a higher one than what the FCC would allow for. So the FCC being the governing body that controls language and other things that would be allowed on over-the-air radio stations and television stations, things like that. I wouldn't say I'm someone that dives into dirty talk. You know, I I really don't get into it. And even the things you would be allowed to and by far you'd be allowed to do, I still don't do it late night radio in america i think is still either bigfoot talk or <laughs> political talk in either yep. or they don't get too racy
1: huh okay so our in canada where, our you have different called... standards though well, it's kind of the same. It's sort of the, it's sort of the same. If somebody complains, then, you know, then it's a problem. They take offense to it or whatever. And I mean, they've, there's been some precedent that allows certain words. And if you're quoting something, you're allowed to quote them. You just have to declare it as a quote. Uh, so for, for clarity and accuracy. So there's those pieces of the puzzle. So here on the shift, we, uh, our audience is, uh, is our community. Our family is called shift heads. And so, of course, last week, I might have accidentally left out the F. Well, it's like that one
2: television show I refuse to say on the radio, too, because it's too close to a swear word. And even, oh, I even tried to avoid those ones to to really? I, I avoid them completely. I don't even bother with it because I don't want to mess up or even make it sound like do you I'm s- pretending do you to say swear. it's
1: like shiz or something like don't even bring creak? it up. It's com- Okay. Yeah,
2: I don't even. Yeah, it's like completely off my radar. I am so out of pop culture. Anyway, I've never seen a show. I've never seen that episode. I should say, or that really show.
1: It's a Canadian show. Yeah,
2: and just going through the list of like the Grammy winners tonight, I don't know if I know any of the songs that are nominated. It's I'm so out of the loop.
1: That's not good. Well, it's a Canadian show. You can show support for your Canadian brothers and sisters who love to hear you on Sundays. Uh, here on the radio, and you can check out that Canadian show with a foul name about a creek. And then you can, yeah. what well, um, is it? A might, Canadian show it. because
2: of Eugene Levy. Is that the only reason it's considered a Canadian show?
1: Oh, it's shot in Canada. Oh, I, I didn't know, know that. Shot. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's a mo, it's a, is a motel outside in Ontario. Uh, and it was actually a purchase, I think by a college that was being using it as a, like a dorm. And they had to repaint it and everything because it was painted the colors of the college. It might not be a college, but it's some sort of institution like that. And, and yeah, so they repainted it and redid it all. And, yeah, it's about Daniel Levy, of course, Eugene Levy and, and their ties to Canada. And uh, there's more Canadian actors on that show. And, yeah, their whole thing shot in Canada.
2: Oh, neat. Too bad they don't do music because they would be pretty popular with all of the restrictions on, you know, the percentage of Canadian music you have to play on the music stations. Yeah,
1: that's, that's dreadful. Well, at
2: least it's not like that on tv too you have to the television shows it's been a long time since i've seen a canadian tv show now to show you how far i go back when i grew up in detroit we had the cbc so i used to watch this hour has 22 minutes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the other one was the red green show was fantastic and i still mm-hmm. watch clips of that once in a while we just had uh, i'm trying to remember some of the other popular ones what's the other comedy one that they had on um
1: well there's a whole bunch of them i mean comedy in canada is, is big i mean there's sctv was the old one um, right it was after uh, that nice
2: it was I similar to the, yeah. this hour has 22 minutes but it was on i think maybe back to back with it I, I just remember watching a few different ones and it was nice to have it as a local channel in detroit because mm-hmm. you got to see all the hockey games and things when it came on, which was pretty awesome.
1: Was it the Royal Canadian Air Force?
2: Yes, that that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that still funny.
1: on the air? No, I don't think so. Uh, no. well, there was an, one while. of the, There's another show that was, um, Quarter Gas was another one that was a fantastic Canadian show, small town, mm-hmm. prairie, central Canada type show that one got shut down but then they turned it into a cartoon and it did really well and then there's another one kim's convenience which is a story about a family Mm. that owns a convenience store a bodega if you will and then um they but they just that and that's ending this year too so it's too bad because we don't get a lot of a ton of canadian shows i mean there's heartland and all those ones that are extremely popular around the world but um the ones we get are pretty great so
2: so are those underwritten by the canadian government in a way like they do on the BBC?
1: Yeah. Well, yes, you can get grants. Um, some of them are privately owned. Usually there's grants involved somewhere along the way, even a, you know, the Canadian idol version of, of Canadian idol, right. Um, just like every other country around the world. So there are grants available to support those things. Music in general though, um, you can apply for grants, arts grants for so many things. And there are many, many artists that are quite successful that still get grants to help create videos or, or produce new songs or, or whatever. And, or go on the road so there's a lot of grant support Uh, in fact i would i would go as far as to say that if the canadian public knew how much grant money was paying for the music that they were hearing it's one of the reasons why you have to play a certain percentage on canadian radio uh, that is canadian because um it's taxpayer funded for the most part in a lot of ways at least in some fashion there's usually some contribution somewhere yeah yeah it's kind of crazy Huh?
2: you know i you were mentioning um the grammys when we were talking before the show and i didn't even know today was the grammy day i had no idea so are yeah. you into that award show
1: no god no i i um i didn't even know until yesterday that it was on this weekend we did nothing to prepare for it or or talk about it last week uh, it, it totally escaped us all of us here and i even found it turned it on today i don't know what time it was on locally here just after six i turned it on and i was like oh wow it's on already and then i prepped the show, had a nap, got food together, made supper, did all the things, and the show's still on. Like, it is, I don't understand how, like, Trevor Noah was fantastic hosting. He's great. I mean, it was awkward, like they always are, because I am reading from a teleprompter. Ha, ha. Um, but <laughs> it really was, um, you know, that part was dreadful. I think they did a good job with the COVID and how they did the, the performances. But really, the mm-hmm. reality is, is that I have no idea. No idea. I do follow oh, yeah. music, so I I know the artists. Um you know, so that that stuff. See, I, I do not. not all of them.
2: It, the artists are just so foreign to me. I I look at them, and I probably know twenty percent of the artists. And I, if you, I could probably tell you that they are a musician, but I wouldn't be able to tell you much of what they do. And I was shocked to find the best rock performance, the best rock album, or no, best rock performance was Fiona Apple. What's going on with rock music today where Fiona Apple is the best that rock produces?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interest. We were talking about that, that maybe it's time to sort of blend folk and rock and alt and all these different things together. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, rock album was the strokes, which is cool because they've been around forever. But yeah, oh, yeah, Fiona's on there too. And, um, you know, I mean, that's great. She got best rock performance and, um, mm you know but it's different it's we also associate rock i think this is a biased thing where we're not good at it we typically associate rock with men and alt rock with women or folk rock with women and i think that that's mm-hmm. one of those things that we got to get over because we always say there's not enough women in rock but really in today's world there's a ton and if you look at best rock performance um it's almost all women you've got grace potter brittany howard Chaim, phoebe bridgers and fiona apple Right, so th- that's I'm the best to, rock what's performance Fiona Apple's
2: category. like. What's her greatest hit, Fiona Apple? Hey,
1: well, she has a she has a greatest hit album.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, let's see, Fiona Apple. Uh, it was criminal. Long I think she's like, been it was active called? for a long time. Oh, okay, criminal. See, that probably. doesn't scream rock to me, though. It, you know, it's more like a pop song. Well, that's
1: funny. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm looking it in through. Rock it was like an old oh, song. She's
2: only forty three. Wow, I thought she's been around for a while. I was am going on. With well, it was about twenty now. years
1: ago when criminal came out about 20 years ago so oh
2: wow you You said the stroke it's just a different world i I remember playing them like college rock college radio and how
1: big they were back then yeah yeah well i'm a lot older than you i think so (laughs) i was already (laughs) i was already 10 or 15 years deep in radio at that point
2: yeah did you see the bill burr moment that everyone was talking about online
1: no which one was that was that no maybe i did no i saw a different one which one was it
2: so he introduced, it was like the the Latin Grammy or something along the lines, and he made a joke. He's like, so you're bringing the white guy up to do the Latin Grammy one. Like, he made a joke about it, and people were super offended online because of it. <laughs> I don't I'll know. Maybe it's now. just not as represented. Um, yeah, the best tropical Latin award. And he said he was so excited to meet these musicians, and then he realized it was all everyone's like no one's there it's just him alone in this room and realizes he's not actually meeting anyone there and he said i want a total waste of time i thought i'd get to meet some people
1: i think if you invite bill burr um i think you you're asking for that to happen aren't you like that isn't that one of those things that you would just expect should should happen um you know but at the same time i don't know it's just off color joke it's not not probably not okay but
2: yeah, and well, it's People like the um, Ricky Gervais. If you're going to invite him to host your award show, you know what you're getting, right?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, so, but if, if Ricky funny, Gervais I, says you... it, does Bill Burr get in trouble? Like, yeah. if, if Jay, Ricky Gervais says that, um, I don't know if there's a backlash. So,
2: oh no, you know, Bill Burr's like that too. I mean, he's kind of just doesn't care. Uh, There's a couple of different comedians and performers that have just been able to tune out the criticism that way and not have to really lean into it as if it's necessary to go on apology tours for everything. And he's one of them. Gervais is another one of them, too. But there's there's only a handful of it seems like anymore that don't even consider um, trying to make it into a big deal when there's a controversy about something they said.
1: Well, cancel culture is a conversation that we have here quite often, right? Like at what point does, you know, having an opinion and then a bunch of trolls on the internet start to cancel the world because they're bitching about it and they don't get, you know, they don't don't get out of their houses. And so I find See, that that's that another word is... we wouldn't use. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry everybody in St. Louis oh, complaining is that about a
2: regular Canadian word.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Oh, <laughs> My yeah. My apologies.
2: I don't think it would get us in trouble per se, but it's just you know it's the station standard. I don't know if we'd be allowed to use that one.
1: So <laughs> oh, okay. well, we're not going to use that one. Complaining about it? Well, it's
2: uh 12:42 um, a.m. here in St. Louis, so we're uh, we're safe in that sense. But um, what uh, you're over on the west coast though, aren't you? You got a couple hours on us.
1: I got. I've got. He says 12:42. I have one hour on you uh where the oh, one hour. we run the show to Vancouver. I'm in Calgary, right? So Matt's in Vancouver. And so we're yeah. an hour, Matt and I are an hour apart. So yeah, we're we're um but we still we don't we just do the show. I mean, the show reruns in different we rerun our shows, so in some markets it reruns later until the early morning and so there's stuff happening all over the place. We just oh, yeah. I don't know, we just sort of live into a real life style. I just all I know is that Gee. we we have this conversation about cancel culture again and again and again and it it seems to come up that you know there's a bunch of people who complain and stir things up and it means that those are somehow the sort of the the judges that get to uh, dictate the outcome of how people need to behave or market and apologize i find it really strange in today's world i hope that gets cleaned up
2: yeah and a lot of people are looking for ways to be offended not actually actually offended you know they're just looking like oh that Mm -hmm. could be offensive or they're they're out there searching for the opportunity to be offended so that mindset's got to change too because a lot of them are seeking it out they're not necessarily someone that consumed something and got upset or were uh, you know someone that would have naturally been offended but now their radar's up and they're thinking oh that is something that could be considered offensive so i better get on them because i don't like them or whatever it is Um, Can I mention just one brief thing? Because I feel this needs to change in our vocabulary. And I don't know if uh, Webster's Dictionary or any of the other ones would be able to change things. But can we just make it so it's acceptable to say daylight savings time with an S without people going crazy?
1: Well, we uh, we just had that conversation. Uh, it's funny. That's how we start the shows because it's daylight saving time. Um, it's much like Brussels yeah. sprouts. That's the example I give because it's actually not Brussels yeah. sprouts; it's Brussels sprouts. And um, mm. and yeah, I don't know. Daylight saving time. How about we just get rid of daylight saving time altogether, and then oh, that would be great. Then we don't need to worry yeah. about the words. Yeah.
2: I think it should be acceptable to say either way you want without everyone trying to say, well, actually, uh, there's no S in savings. But, I, th- yeah, let's get rid of it altogether. I think there's more support to get rid of it than not, and it would just be nice to not have to deal with it. Most people, I think, if you were to put it to a vote, majority would have it.
1: I, I Well, get to get rid of it, yeah, I totally agree. It's this conversation that comes up every year that never goes anywhere, so it's dumb. Um, But the reality is, though, is I just always look at it this way. Like, where in your life do you say savings other than your savings account? I mean, savings is not a thing. It's not a word. It's not a... So, I don't know. I'm kind of a geek that way.
2: Savings. (laughs) It's always savings time at your farmer. Jack was a jingle growing up. Like at grocery stores, coupon (laughs) time, savings, right? That would be another acceptable time for it.
1: I guess so. You probably That's didn't true. have yeah.
2: Farmer Jacks up there. I think it's more of a regional no. thing. That I, they're I, not you even did a in business. They, job, yeah, they've probably been out of business for twenty years, and it's one of those things. You know, those jingles. There's some jingles that will be permanently branded into your brain. It won't matter. You'll be eighty, and someone will start the jingle, and you'll be able to finish it in the future.
1: I love it, and you did a great job singing it, which is fantastic, Ryan Record. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate the connection. Sorry to the fellow. I didn't mean to be following your show.
2: <laughs> uh-huh we'll see how that goes uh when that hits the FCC commission and now it'll be an international incident
1: <laughs> that'll be great I'll be the first Canadian to get wrapped on American radio not even on my own channel awesome <laughs> great Shane thanks so to much brother. To you you too buddy Ryan Recker is in St. Louis at KMOX and just in case uh that's the last time that we're allowed to be on his station I love that station I love talking to Ryan
0: this is the Shift Podcast.
1: You, uh, you go get the moon dial, or
3: ah, uh, yeah, um, it was because of daylight saving time. It's been a, it's an hour late, so uh, so it didn't it didn't show up to work tonight. All right, we'll get
1: the moon <laughs> dial in an hour, in an hour from now. After, are you okay? <laughs> well, we're not for doing. Are you, you missed okay? It. Mm-hmm, be perfect. There you go. Are you okay? Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, by the way, um, I was listening to the best of. don't wait a second. Don't say like, how egotistical are you, Shane, listening to your own show on Saturday nights. It's actually a great way to uh, to sort of listen to when I'm not in the show, right? And I was listening, I just want to acknowledge Matt, you do a great job with that. Matt puts it all together, he cuts up all our pieces and puts it back together for the show for Saturday, and it's fun. it's fun to listen to. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. I wasn't overly critical of myself, like when we look in the mirror and we're like, oh my God, look how fat I am. I do that with my radio stuff.
3: Yeah, no, it's um, it's not a lot of fun to put together, but it's probably more fun to listen to. I, I yeah. never listen to it, because I've already done, by, done with it by the time it goes out.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the show's in, and I'm like, well, should I start another show on the TV? And like, I don't have time for a movie. I know. I'll turn on, you know, one of our channels that's running the the, the best of on the weekend and, um, you know, do it that way. And then so I get my uh, – it was cool. I enjoyed that. Anyway, I just want to acknowledge that. I think you do a great job with that.
3: Oh, well, thanks, Ben. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Are you okay? Are you okay with Blockbuster? Ooh!
3: Yeah, I I do miss renting videos. Um, I miss like the browsing and just the complete like indecision and op- option paralysis that you get <laughs> when you don't know what you c- really want before you step in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do miss that. It,
0: it it was an amazing experience. There, like we knew we didn't go to Blockbuster. My family we went to Roger's Video, and uh, we knew the staff there. They would tell me what movies to watch, and it was like. Every week, that was a thing. And my mom hated it because my brother would spend two hours trying to pick a movie or a video game. Uh, but if they came back, I would use it every now and then. It's definitely not a viable business anymore. But there are days and nights where I'm like, ah, that was fun.
1: Well, they, they, there was the business that came out after that, which was those automated machines where you'd go and put in your credit card or your money and then it would kick out the rental video and then you would go put it yeah. back in the machine when you were done. I mean that that business was very short lived, um, I would guess based on the fact that I don't know <laughs> Netflix <laughs> happened. Um yeah. but it, it really uh that was kind of cool. But do you remember when you would go to Blockbuster and you would see that, you know, the movie that you wanted was there? Now for you, Ryan, DVDs, but for me it was VHSs and beta tapes and all those things. Mm-hmm. You would go and you would uh, you would see but there'd only be one left. And you weren't sure if you were going to rent it tonight, but you would grab it anyway and you would keep it with you as you walked around the store, just in case you decided something else. So nobody else took it, but then somebody else saw you grab it and there were the lurker and the lurker would follow you around the store just in case you put it back. They were going to be the next one to grab it because they did want to watch it. And so there was always a bit of a battle of everybody spying around the aisles. Did you put it back yet? I really want to watch Empire Strikes Back or whatever. Those were good times, man. Good times. It's also when microwave popcorn came out. Also very good times. Yeah. I loved it. Anyway, uh, Netflix is officially dropping a documentary about the last ever blockbuster video store titled the lack the last blockbuster. Took them years to come up with the name. The film gives a nostalgic glimpse of a video store featuring plenty of interviews from previous employees, fans, and business people. And yes, this is being made by Netflix, the blockbuster killer. Peaking at 9,000 locations in the year 2004, this chain of stores was down to one located in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, so look, most people think Blockbuster went out of business because of Netflix, but that's not the truth. Um, what really happened was. In a world where video stores have all but disappeared. I mean, look at the James Bond section. Every James Bond movie. Every Avatar movie, because, you know, there's just the one so far.
4: I hate late fees, but I understand that you have to do it. Otherwise, people just keep those videos. I know I did.
1: I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Well, then what put them out of business? Can't leave us hanging. If it wasn't oh, Netflix. Well... uh I th- well, I the trailer
0: doesn't really tell you, does it? But I mean, like, okay, I get it. Netflix is making it, so they don't want to seem like the bad guy. But yes, Bro- Blockbuster probably had some corporate mismanagement and all that fun stuff. But the reason they don't exist anymore is they became obsolete, right? So I don't think Netflix can dance around that much. It's kind well, of funny. Became, it's very Yeah, they became obsolete uh-huh.
1: because of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Blockbuster like, had it, a
0: chance to buy Netflix once.
1: Yeah. Which is like, yeah. yeah, that one didn't, that one backfired. Yeah, I heard that too, that there was an, actually an opportunity to pick it up, and that was going to be the, the next version of Blockbuster, but they were like, nah, that's never going to work. Yikes. Warp- All right. All yeah. right. Um, the world's remaining blockbuster had been celebrated from uh, by many artists over the recent years. Even Drake marked his thirty second birthday with an ode to the two thousands featuring a full blockbuster video wall. The store itself had previously transformed into an Airbnb, allowing fans to reminisce watching TV on a pull out couch. The last Blockbuster premieres on Netflix on march fifteenth, which would technically be later today. Um if you're everywhere but BC. Um But by the time you hear this later, it's already today. So there we go. Welcome to our show. So we did that with an Airbnb. We did a How I Met Your Mother themed Airbnb. Really? Where? Yeah. That's so cool. It was down on 18th Avenue, just by 8th Street and 18th Avenue, just off 17th. And so it was, yeah, it was a great spot and had like a blue French horn on the wall and yellow umbrellas and pictures of the cast, like in the picture frames of Ted and stuff. Wild. Yeah. It was great. It was fun. Uh, And then it was a pain in the ass. You know, the thing about Airbnbs is that everyone phones and they're like, I can't get the TV to turn on. Okay. You see that piece of paper that's in front of the TV that an instruction sheet? Yeah. Yeah. Follow the instructions. Okay. Well, first I've got to make sure it's plugged in. Oh, there it is. Works now. Okay. Thanks. Sorry to bother you. And that's what it's (laughs) like to own an Airbnb. So yeah, not good. Um, bum, 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 bum. are you okay? Oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay with spray tanning? Uh,
3: uh inherently, no. It, I don't know. You just look orange and you just look weird. I, I'm sorry. It's does it's not yeah. my ideal of beauty, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it never it never it very rarely looks as good as you want it to be and i understand you know some people tan better than others i'm irish so i just i burn i don't tan I burn too. Uh, but you know you feel that so but i would never spray tan it, it's just it, it never looks good it's always just something off and you know there's a president of the united states who's clear evidence of that so clear eh. evidence
1: that does that not the same thing well, this is... I've never done it. Um, I used to see people that they would get, like, the drips. They would get over-sprayed and stuff. And then there was that Friends episode where Ross went in the spray tanner. It was one of the best Friends episodes of all time. Anyway, a mom shared a photo of an amusing situation she found herself in after she forgot that she had fake tanning lotion uh, on her when she went to breastfeed her newborn. You can kind of guess what happened next. The boy had a large Uh-oh. brown smear... <laughs> All over the bottom half of his face. Um, Kaziah Josephiak says he didn't, she didn't realize that she had the product hadn't had enough time to dry until she looked at her son's face after breastfeeding him. She said it was the first and definitely last time I feed him with my tan still on. She told the son. Um, it turns out this happened in 2015 and it cracked up Fox 29, Philadelphia.
3: Experts say, make sure your spray tan completely dries. You might even want to shower before nursing your little one. It looks like a 5 o'clock shadow or something.
1: It's perfectly round like a boob. Right? I wish I had that on my face. After the weekend. Nothing. Nothing happened. I got nothing happened. Now, why wouldn't an adult? That, so, like, that
4: oh could happen to an adult, too, couldn't
3: it? I'm sure there are a lot of people walking around uh, this Monday morning. Yeah. It's like, oh, did you
1: have a good weekend? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> Hilarious. Does that guy still have a job? Oh, my God. Uh, he, uh... Well, he called it like it is. I mean, if you go for praise spate I mean, wouldn't you I don't know, when you're breastfeeding to the women out there, I would guess you would clean your nipple before you would feed the baby. So you should kinda of like washing your hands, isn't it? So
3: Yeah, but I mean uh, you wouldn't clean your boob or I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm I don't have the equipment, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I would just imagine that, you know, that you would clean the nipple and then you'd be like, Oh yeah, crap, I got this the stuff on. And you notice that. So that's like the, you know, the proof that someone didn't wash their hands, if you will. And I just think that's really funny. If uh, the picture is worth a thousand words, it literally is this round orange spot um, where uh, the youngster was uh, clearly dining. Yikes.
0: It's the shift podcast
1: we have uh, all kinds of science things that have been happening in the world therefore Maddie do you have your keys by chance you
3: uh yeah got them ready to go
1: all right if we can unlock the cage and might as well get into the technological, or not the technological, the, weird, the world of weird science. <laughs> it,
3: oh, my God. Oh, is it uh, Thursday or Wednesday already? Okay. Yeah. Andrew Ferreira
2: is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science.
1: You have to understand the cage for Andrew Ferreira is more like a cave with a steel door, right? It's not like it, a yeah. cage, like a... Yeah, where we just lock them up in the corner. I mean, it's more of like this dark, do it, not yeah. emerge and see the sunshine kind of place. How you doing, Andrew? It,
4: it, it's carved into the side of a mountain. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's far like away from
4: civilization. Nice. The only, um, the, only, the only things that connect me to the outside world are a sewage line, a water line, and an ethernet cable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's really all you need.
4: That's it. That's that's what, that's what else do you that. need?
1: That's what my dad used to say. Of course, that all was before need the is- internet.
4: <laughs> there we go.
1: Yeah. Um, there we go. Okay, Andrew, we have hurricanes in space. What is happening?
4: Uh, it's not dangerous, first of all. Okay. Um, it's not nearly as cool as people have thought it is, second oh. of all. Um, and that's the thing with a lot of science, like with, with a lot of science that appears in media. Media, and I will not admit to guilt because I always make sure that people know how boring it really is. Well, you did just Um, declare
1: as we get into a segment saying that, by the way, this is not cool. This is not exciting. It's quite boring. So you're selling it Eric, buddy.
4: Hey, look, I'd rather be honest. Um, (laughs) It's something that scientists have kind of postulated that maybe this is probably how it works. Uh, I'll get into that in a sec. But first, I need to get into uh, the Earth's magnetic field in order to fully explain this. Um, So basically, the inside of the Earth is very hot. And if you go down there, you die. Um, so don't, contrary to what uh, a certain movie may or may not tell you is down there. Um, But inside the Earth, um, essentially, as the Earth formed, various metals, metals are heavy and they sink. So as the Earth is formed, metals have sank to the center of the Earth. Uh, And that's why the inner core of the planet is essentially what is a giant solid ball of iron, uh, several thousand degrees under, Untold amounts of pressure, kind of like me before I come onto this program, um, mm. and outside of that is a molten kind of iron layer that rotates around that solid iron inner uh, inner core, um, and that rotation of the outer core around the inner core uh, is essentially a magnet, and this, you know, completely gonzo magnet in the center of the planet uh, rotates, and as it rotates, it creates a magnetic field. Um, and what this magnetic field does is a lot of things. It makes your compass work right, which is handy if you're stuck in the woods and know how to read a compass. I don't know many people my age who know how to read a compass anymore. Um, but it's also handy for keeping us from not being killed by, like, space. Uh, space is bad for people, generally speaking. Um... We're lucky that on Earth we have a magnetic field because thanks to the magnetic field, we are shielded from stuff like the sun's uh, incessant radiation. Uh, we are also shielded from, uh, you know, essentially giant rays of particles that come in from deep space uh, that are the results of stars colliding, you know, all sorts of horrible, horrible things. that if we were anywhere near them, we would be vaporized. Uh, the remnants of that are directed away from our horrible, flimsy bodies um, into the ionosphere, which is part of the Earth's kind of atmosphere. If you all remember that diagram from science class, uh, the ionosphere is the upper layer uh, of Earth's atmosphere. And that's where we get, and you know, those of us who uh, have been lucky enough to see it or are lucky enough to live in an area where you can see it, uh, and that's where we get our auroras from. Um, The aurora is really a product of the collision of solar particles from the sun, uh, magnetic particles, and, uh, you know, particles from deep space colliding with the ionosphere. And because the ionosphere is essentially a gigantic magnet and the center of that bar magnet is inside the Earth... um, the particles kind of ride the magnetic lines, if you will. If you imagine, you remember, you know, the experiments you saw as a kid with the iron filings, if you put them around a magnet, it would create these lines, essentially. Yeah, Uh, that's cool. The Earth's core is just that, but a lot, a lot bigger and a lot more deadly to us. Um, But in a way, but it saves us in this case. So basically what happens is these particles from deep space, from the sun, uh, get caught up in those lines and are funneled to where the Earth's magnetic field originates below the surface. So if you want to imagine a giant bar magnet underneath or within the Earth, there are no dinosaurs there, unfortunately. Um, The bar magnet uh, north and south poles roughly coincide with our north and south poles. Um, And so that's why auroras are visible mostly over northern and southern latitudes, because that's just where uh, these electrified and magnetized particles from the sun in deep space uh, come down and interact with the Earth's ionosphere and create dazzling light shows that we like to take pictures of. Uh, and they really are something to see. If if you ever, you know, are lucky enough to be in an area where there is an Aurora warning, um, first of all, I hope you're up north because if we're like in the lower latitudes, like, you know, as far south as like Toronto or as far south as Vancouver and there's an Aurora warning, we're probably in trouble. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Um, if you ever get a chance, you know, I feel like the aurora is something that it's just magical to look at it, and I've seen it once and only once, and maybe that's why.
1: So, yeah, I feel that. Uh, way. As a guy but who is grew magical. up in Fort McMurray, was a guy who grew up in Fort McMurray, it is uh, kind of a common occurrence—not uh, every day, but you get to see it a lot. And some of the photos, man, that people take of that. There's a guy in Calgary. His name is John Anderson, and we've just sort of met through radio shows and Instagram and sharing his photos. And he's taken some just dynamite ones and. Guys up north taking, guys and gals up north taking pictures and like the mind blowing amazing photos of how beautiful it is popping and crackling and making noise. It's amazing.
4: Yeah, and so to those of you who aren't really aware, if you want to kind of imagine like a giant curtain of fluorescent green and fluorescent yellow, you know, flickering through the sky, that's what the aurora looks like. And that is simply the result of an interplay between all of these magnetized and energetic particles from space and the Earth's magnetic field. And now this is where I can start to narrow us down a little bit into the space hurricane. So this space hurricane, or as the, uh, the cool kids like to call it, um, I'm trying to find the official term here. I'll find it in a second. I'll go with space hurricane for the moment. Uh, This space hurricane is really just uh, a byproduct of how Earth's magnetic field interacts uh, with particles that um, come in from space and from the sun. Um, And just like hurricanes here on Earth, there is a rotation that you can see around a central, you know, this isn't, there's no storm here. Uh, there's so, uh, the, the inactive is called the eye of the storm, but there is a rotation around a central point. Um, and then of course, emanating from that central point are these, what seem to be waves, except these waves aren't like, uh, you know, cl- the arms of clouds for hurricanes that we see, you know, in the in the, in the mid latitudes. Um, these seem to more or less trace um the magnetic field lines of Earth's Earth's, uh, magnetic field. And so what you get is a it doesn't necessarily really spiral in the same way that a hurricane does on Earth. So it's a bit of a misnomer, but visually it does kind of look like a hurricane, at least all the modeling that has come out, because we don't actually have photos of this thing. This isn't a thing that you can see. Um, You can't see magnetism. If you could, that would be kind of weird, also kind of awesome, but we unfortunately can't. And so we have to rely on measurements of the strength of the magnetic field over the poles to make a a, a visual map of this. And so I'm staring at the graphs and the graphs mean almost nothing to me uh, because I'm not a scientist and smart enough to read these. But um, <laughs> thanks to the, the wonders of You know, written language, I can read all the descriptions below it, and I can kind of piece together. And so if you're looking at the study here, it's in uh, the journal Nature. Um, You can just search, you know, Space Hurricane Journal Nature, and you'll find the abstract and all that good stuff there, which I encourage a lot of people to do. If you see, you know, uh, like a a, a news headline like Space Hurricane, look it up, but then append journal article to the back of it. Do yourself some learning. It's good to be edumacated. Um, These It's kind of space hurricanes. Um, They don't necessarily, you know, there's no wind up in the ionosphere, really. There's no, you know, nothing's really being damaged. But it does kind of illustrate how these um, particles that come off the sun, uh, that come out of deep space, it illustrates and kind of visualizes how they flow down towards uh, the North and South Pole. And this is the first time that scientists have ever really gotten a look at this process. Um, And all of the modeling, it kind of looks funky and colorful. But what it really is, is it's all of these particles are finding their way down towards the surface of the planet um, along, you know, the currents along the magnetic fields Um, and the resulting pattern that it creates as it spirals down towards the earth results in what looks like a hurricane. So if you're wondering if we were in danger or if we need to send Bruce Willis or something, we don't. This thing has probably been up there, you know, in varying amounts of strength for years and years and years and years and years. And long and long after we die, it'll probably still be there. And it'll laugh at us because we made such a big deal out of it.
1: Hmm. Um, Here's a a question that I'm assuming I assume the answer is because of where the pole is from. But it's Hmm. a question about compasses being less accurate. Why is it that compasses are less accurate? at The North Pole as opposed to when you get closer to the North Pole, and my my thought of that was because the pole is actually not on the surface of the pole, but I'm not sure it's underground. But um, that's correct. Yeah.
4: So right. what what the the North and South Pole people like to measure them as points, and while there is a center, perhaps um, what you're really you know let's say you're measuring it with a mag with a magnetometer, what you're really measuring is the point at which the general you know, lines of current from the inner core are coming through the surface of the earth. It's not a single point. It's an area, right? And you've probably also seen sensationalist headlines around this, but uh, the, the poles drift, right? The North Pole was in Canada up until about, I want to say, five or six years ago, but it's been steadily drifting uh, back towards Russia over the Arctic Ocean uh, over the past number of years. And no, this isn't a devious plot by Vladimir Putin to wrestle control of the northern magnetic pole (laughs) away from Canada. Um, This is just a result of the fact that the insides of the Earth are kind of like the insides of us, kind of mushy. They move around, they shift, and this moving and shifting changes where the magnetic poles are. Um, And when you're using a compass, you are using the magnetic pole. Um, So let's say you're actually at the physical north pole, like the physical top of the planet. North isn't your compass isn't going to point, uh, you know, it's not going to swing in circles underneath you. It'll probably point towards Russia uh, because that's kind of where the Northern Magnetic Pole is heading right now. Um, and one other fun little factoid that I like to bring up about the uh, the magnetic poles is that over Earth's history, we have uh, in the rocks, because I like bringing everything back to rocks because that one guy just really hated it. Um, in the rocks, we have um, <laughs> essentially a fossil record of the magnetic field lines because we can see the orientation of, of minute particles of iron within the rocks and over, you know, the billions of years that the earth has been around, we've seen that the North and South magnetic poles have switched places numerous times. Um, and we don't really know what kind of effect that would have because the last time it happened was tens of thousands of years ago. And unfortunately, no one was really around to document that. Um, whether or not it would cause some kind of horrible event, and this is a thing that scientists have wondered, is if the magnetic poles switch, uh, there's got to be a period of time in which they travel. These things aren't instantaneous. During that time, is the Earth more susceptible to you know, cosmic radiation, to solar radiation? If that's the case, uh, if what we're seeing right now is part of a buildup to a magnetic uh, a pole swap, uh, that might not be very good. Of course, we have no evidence that what's happening right now is anything aside from the normal drift of the magnetic oh. pulls. But it is, you know, if you want another possible doomsday scenario, I'm always, I'm full of them. I'll, I'll you know, I'll tell them to you for free. Um, that is one, is that if a magnetic pull switch happens and the magnetic field weakens, not only does the space hurricane go away, which I think is a shame, because, you know, it's a space hurricane, that's kind of cool. But also the magnetic field would weaken, which would mean our protection from all of the little things in space that knock electrons out of our DNA and cause mutations, uh, have a much easier time getting down to uh, making us more dead. Um, So let's hope that
1: that doesn't happen. That's remarkable, like to think that that is actually, you know, possible with all of this. But it's safe to say, Andrew, that, you know, we often think about us living on this rock. But we're not. It's a living thing. It, it constantly yeah. changes, right? Yeah, this this
4: planet, you know, it has shifted and moved around for time immemorial before we got here, and after we leave, it'll continue to do so. Um, I always kind of chuckle when people say, save the planet, because the planet will be fine. Nothing's going to happen to it. It'll happen to us. We'll be the ones who will die. The planet will just keep doing its thing until, at some point in four billion years, it gets vaporized by the sun.
1: Oh, such a positive right. spin. Thanks, buddy.
4: Hey, it, if it, you know nothing is eternal, so let's enjoy the time that we have now, right? That's what I say. <laughs> oh, that's
1: good. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's great to hear you. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. Ferreira. <laughs> and I don't weird. believe
4: I don't believe in like normal sign offs. I
1: think it's yeah. boring. Fair enough. All right. Well, All right. you know what? I do believe in locking you up. So we'll just grab the keys. Back we'll lock to the him up sewer again. cave. There it is.
0: This is the shift podcast.
1: It's time for in case you missed it.
3: In case you missed it on the radio.
0: Here's. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Donald. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to in case you missed it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Well, Tommy Wiseau will be here all week. Uh, man, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff. I got a really crazy story from Ireland. Uh, somebody did some ridiculous things with a game boy and the first reviews for a movie. I'm really, really excited about are in and it looks good, but this story we have to cover. So let's just jump right in. Our favorite Canadian TikToker is back after like six weeks of no uploads with more internet drama. Good morning. I'm Ryan O'Donnell with today's TikTok 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 breakdown. Lubalin, this is the guy behind the amazing TikTok series called "Internet Drama," where he takes absurd like internet fights, whether it's in a comment board on Facebook or personal DMs, and then makes a song out of them. So we had the "I Just Want to I Just Want Butter" song and more. And they're fantastic. And he has finally uploaded another one after, I think the last one came around Christmas time. It's been a long time. Uh, And I'm ready for it. This is his longest one yet. So as I've done in the past for this, what you will hear in the clip is him singing the lyrics to a argument that two people had on Twitter. Now, you can't see those lyrics because this is radio. So I will read them to you first, as best as I can, and then you will hear the song. Are you guys ready? Because this one is a doozy. I, I'm ready. I am so ready. All right. This is between two people. Ha ha ha! My horse broke my toes. How? She stepped on them and twisted, and wouldn't get off my toes. And I have no shoes on, which that's really dumb. That was that was just me interjecting. Lady says, "Oh dang! She weighs over fifteen thousand pounds." You mean 1500? Nope. Add another zero to that. There's no way she can be that much. Maybe 1500, but not 15,000. She's almost as big as a damn draft horse, and her hooves are bigger than my head. And we got papers telling us her weight. Person replies the record for weight is 3,336 in England. And here we go. Excuse me. Okay. Well, this horse isn't from here, Abby. You can't be calling me a liar when I have this damn papers up in this bitch. You haven't had horses your whole life and you sure don't know everything about a horse, honey. So kind of get over yourself. Whoa. You might be reading this on the internet, but everything you read on the internet isn't true. I have papers on this horse and you're calling me a liar. That with a Z, real funny, don't you think? You haven't seen this horse, and this horse is bigger and huger than any horse I've owned, and she's bigger than your horse.
1: Whoa, what a Pop f- off. Fight. fight in words. What a
0: fight. Now, would you like to hear that in song form? Please. Yes. Let's hear it. my horse broke my toes. Oh
4: dang. She weighs over $15 pounds, fifteen hundred. Nope, add another zero to that. There's
1: no way she can be that much. She got papers on her telling us her weight. The record for weight is thirty-three hundred and thirty-six in
3: England. Okay, well this this horse isn't from here, Abby.
2: size
3: good! <laughs> Amazing!
0: Boom! Check him out. That's this talent. guy's from Montreal. You can actually download those on Spotify. I I have the butter song in my Spotify library. So totally wow. worth the the download love Lubelin's work uh the production on the video is fantastic and that is like peak tiktok right there that's incredible okay. i know i thought you guys would like that so i love it's the, horse. <laughs> the than any horse I've
3: owned. oh wow yeah and we
0: that's all know so somebody who's like way too passionate about horses you know that like okay we, yeah horses are amazing animals but like people get like really defensive about their horses so that kind that's of true. yeah especially if you're in Alberta there's a lot of horse horse people out here.
1: <laughs> Ontario now, has a huge horse population. That's true. Ontario does too. Yeah. When I you fly over yeah. into Ottawa, Toronto, any of those places, you just see ovals and track after track after <laughs> track. It's so cool.
0: Horse, horse. Did you guys ever play that when you're doing a road trip? Mm-mm. So my mom taught me this game. You drive, you're driving and then if you see a horse, you say horse, horse. And then you try to count as many horses as you can. And then by the end of the road trip, whoever has the most amount of horses wins, but you can like say words to like get rid of everybody's horses. It's a fun little road trip game. Nice. Uh, But yeah, there's a whole lot of those.
1: (laughs) Sounds like your mom did a really great job trying to keep you busy and stop talking during the road trip.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then eventually I got a Game Boy Advance and it was much easier to keep me, keep me quiet. Uh, (laughs) I love it. And, a portable DVD player, which I would use to watch a lot of Batman movies. And man, oh man, there's more. Let's just, uh, this this story literally happened about 10 minutes before this segment. So let's just get this clip and I'm going to read you all of the information I have. It's time
1: to stand, fight. The time
0: is now. The first reviews for Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League are in. Now, I've talked about this movie a million times on In Case You Missed It, mostly because I'm incredibly excited. If you are unfamiliar, a quick refresher. Justice League happened in 2017. Zack Snyder was originally working on it, but he had to leave for personal reasons. The one we got in 2017 is not good. And people were calling, hey, release the Snyder cut. And eventually, Warner Brothers was like, okay, here's $60 million. Give us a new cut. And we got it. It's an amazing thing. This movie is over four hours long. And the reviews are in. Now, yes, this movie, I was not anticipating it to be like amazing. I, I really enjoy Zack Snyder's films. Uh, I think he you know, takes risks with them. They're different from most superhero movies. And even if they're not good storytelling, they're very pretty to look at. So even if this movie got horrible reviews, I was still going to watch it and probably still really enjoy it. But um, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shook. Here are some initial reviews from some of the people who are lucky enough to watch it. I've been told that I can now... Tweet my reaction to the Justice League cut. This is from reviewer Sean O'Connell. Zack Snyder actually went ahead and just made the greatest DC movie we have ever seen. This is the epic version of the film you thought you were going to get in 2017. It is a fantastic continuation of the story but also a thorough extension of the mythology behind these characters. There is more from another guy. This is Mike Reyes. So you folks want to know about that secret reveal today? Well, here it goes. I got to watch and review Zack Snyder's cut And yeah, it was four hours of pure delight. I can't stress how much better this is than the 2017 one. It works so much more. There's some more critiques ones here. This movie is incredibly bloated, but it's beautiful and never gets boring. It's not my cup of tea, but absolutely worth the watch. And if you're a fan of Batman, you will absolutely love this movie. Some of these reviews are insanely high. And like most Zack Snyder movies, don't get good reviews. So this is great. I'm. I, I, it warms my heart. Like what an amazing way. This story is incredible, and to cap it off by saying, and the movie was good. It's kind of like how, you know, Phantom Menace releases. Everyone's like, oh my god, we're getting more Star Wars, and then it happens, and you're like, uh oh, what, Jar Jar, <laughs> no no. So I, <laughs> no no, me so not like that. So you know, this is better. So much better. Makes me a smile. All four and
3: a half hours of it.
0: That's long, man. It's a long time. Now, I'm actually going to invite you on a challenge with me because me and my roommate have decided how we're going to tackle this movie this week. If you're a giant nerd like me, I invite you to join me in this journey and we can talk about it. Tomorrow, I will be watching Man of Steel. On Tuesday, I will be watching Batman vs. Superman, the director's cut. On Wednesday, I will be watching the... Justice League original cut and then I will watch the Snyder cut on Thursday but I'm going to let my opinion boil a little bit and I will bring you a full review and my thoughts of this film next Sunday and hopefully Steve Stebbin can actually give us some of his own thoughts on Thursday so we'll see if we can get a little bit of a comparison there but man oh man I'm excited
1: man of steel sounds like a stripper movie (laughs) because there's a pole it does
0: and I mean Henry Cavill man he could be a male stripper
1: I don't know. I you the comic book things. I I'm like,
0: eh,
1: Ryan likes them. <laughs> it's
0: explosions and capes, so I'm all for it. I'm currently, yeah, I'm sitting next. I bought a bunch of comics over this weekend, so it's a good time. All right. Uh, I got some cool news for you guys, and I know okay. Matt is going to be thrilled about this. An animal that has never been seen in Ireland showed up off the coast this weekend. Guess what it was? walter unfortunately it was not walter however it was a walrus so this is a pretty ridiculously hilarious and wholesome story and hopefully this walrus is okay so this walrus is enormous it's the size of a bull it landed on the rocks on valentina island and it's believed to be the first ever sighting of a north pole walrus in ireland now you might be wondering ryan how did a north pole walrus end up in ireland well they believe a marine biologist kevin Flarney flarney says the creature must have fallen asleep on an iceberg before drifting off of the coast and floating to ireland happens all the time so he said What I think happened was he fell asleep on an iceberg, drifted, and then was gone too far out in the mid-Atlantic, so he decided to swim. Apparently he was pretty hungry, but there's plenty of uh, scallops off the shore of Ireland. So if he regains his strength, hopefully he will make his way back up. Uh, I don't know how he's going to make his way back because there's no ice that he can hitch a ride on. Um, Maybe a leprechaun will help guide him back to the North Pole, or uh, a bunch of floating Guinness uh, yes. ba- uh, uh, glasses will make a raft for him. Maybe he's there for St. Paddy's Day. I, I want to be in Ireland for St. Paddy's Day. Speaking of which, it's St. Paddy's Day.
1: Well, not yet. When? Yeah, I
0: think it's today, isn't it? I, I, I two, think two it, it's days. March 15th. It's the 17th, isn't it? 17th, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Oh, wait a minute. They celebrate on a different day. What am I thinking of? Yeah, Those not places today. places that celebrate on a different day. <laughs> Okay, I was like, I don't have any Guinness. Oh man, I'm not is. a, I'm not a, I'm not a good Irishman right now, am no. I?
1: O'Donnell, well
0: done. <laughs> I've betrayed my clan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's all good. I rarely know what day it is too, and I, my, it's my job That's to know true. the time,
1: right? Um, it's it can be tough sometimes. I only know that because at Walmart there's a small display, not the normal large display for the St. Paddy's Day green hats and sparkle bow ties that you would normally see as being a massive, like at the dollar store, the whole aisle is all green things. Mm. This year, way less parties. So way less green hats that don't fit quite right. Yep. Um,
0: and then like really cringy shirts as well.
1: Yes. And we will uh, we will enjoy a Guinness here or some Irish whiskey or whatever is the flavor coming up in a couple of days, but we're not there yet. Um, Ryan yep. has some, uh, some premature patty elation going on there.